forever. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to, we're spending this first part of the summer looking at the theme of good news. And you'll see on the, the, the connected news sheet that we're looking at the theme this morning of clean blood. I'm sort of kicking us off. And then a number of people are going to look at different aspects of what it means to be a people of good news. So we're actually going to read from a passage, our morning's reading. I'm going to read it this morning, but it's 1 John 1. And I'm just going to read 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10. If you carry an electronic Bible, or you've brought your own physical Bible, and you want to get that out um, in front of you, I'll give you a minute to do that. But it's 1 John 1, 5 to 10. In fairness, there are lots of passages of Scripture I could have picked this morning um, to go with one of the things I just want to spend a little bit of time thinking about this morning for us. So it's 1 John 1, verses 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus. His son purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar, and his word is not in us. Let me pray, God of hope and love this morning. Help us this morning. Would you come afresh upon us this morning to experience the cleansing power of your blood. Amen. Well, um, I'm going to kick off by looking at this slide, hopefully, that will come up behind you. Um, it's disappeared, um, but it might come up in a minute. Um, is that any joy on that one? No? Okay. So I'll, I'll come back to that. That was my illustration, and it's kind of slightly kind of kiboshes the first uh, few minutes of what I'm going to say, but that's the way it works with technology. Um, anyway, should I just, I'll come back to it, I think. Anyway, um, there's a picture that might come up that's of some woods literally opposite the driveway to our house. So I live on Lansdowne, and right opposite our driveway, uh, we face woods. Anybody who's been up Lansdowne and knows where we live will know that. And a couple of years ago, uh, some friends of ours came to visit us. Uh, the chap who's part of the couple who came to visit, his name's Graham, and he's a forester. And he loves all things trees. His basically life has been a love affair with trees. And to the extent that he's named all four of his children after trees, he loves trees that much. Now, when he came to see us, he said to me, he said, he looked at the trees after a while, after the first time he came, he said, Tim, you've got a problem. I said, what? And I was expecting to have a kind of mini thesis on trees. He said, well, actually, no, your problem is, is that the trees opposite you are diseased. 
They've got this disease called ash dieback. And for those of you who know, it's, it's actually destroying huge swathes of trees across the UK. And it says unless you deal with them in probably, you know, two or three years' time, uh, they'll fall on the road, possibly on your house, and it will be no good to anybody. So you need to get it sorted. I said, well, thank you, Graham. Uh, that's all very helpful. Anyway, so I kind of had a little conversation. To where, I wonder whose woods they are. Are they owned by Kingswood School? Anyway, I had a conversation. found out, no, they're owned by Wessex Water. So I got in touch with Wessex Water eventually and said, Wessex Water, here I am. Here I live here. These trees opposite us. Can you do sort something out? Anyway, left it. They said, yeah, leave it with us. About five, six months later, uh, after conversations with both them and the council, some people turned up. And basically, if the picture is... No, it's not reappeared. They cut out a hole in the woods. They cut down a little hole in the woods where they took out the diseased trees. They took out the diseased trees because then the disease wouldn't spread and actually the woods and the forest would be healthy. And that's what they effectively did. We're doing a sermon series on the good news of Christianity. And this morning, there's my woods. There's a little hole in there. If you noticeable, you might. It's not that noticeable, but actually, that's how it is. And we're looking at the blood of Jesus this morning. Now, blood is a fascinating topic. There are whole departments in hospitals dedicated towards the health and disease of blood. There is life in our blood. There is life in our blood. Our blood truly is a river of life for our bodies, providing life, providing health, providing protection to our bodies, transporting oxygen to our lungs, and transporting nutrients and minerals to the parts of the body that need them. While at the same time, maybe our white blood cells build our immunity to protect us from foreign bodies that seek to destroy us, like COVID. Our blood sustains us and protects us. Our blood sustains us and protects us. Those of you who know uh, a little bit about the Bible will know that the theme of blood appears throughout Scripture from very early on, right at the beginning of Genesis, early on in Genesis, but all the way to Revelation, we find that. It's a story about blood that involves the issues of sin, about the issue of law, about covenant, and particularly blood covenant, about sacrifice, about scapegoating, and the need for salvation and getting clean. All those topics are tied up with the theme of blood. There's some verses possibly behind me that will come up of all sorts of bits in the scripture, throughout scripture, that refer to what the blood is about and what it means for us. At Easter, we look to the fact that Jesus died an excruciating and bloody death on the cross. Jesus came to die. Jesus planned to die. Jesus lived to die. The Lamb of God, it says, who came to take away the sin of the world. Why? So that we might live. So that we might live. Scripture gives us a picture of the blood of Jesus redeeming, the blood of Jesus cleansing, the blood of Jesus protecting, the blood of Jesus opening up fellowship with God, the blood of Jesus healing, and, and also of giving us authority over the devil and evil. 
One writer put it this way, said, the blood of Jesus represents the greatest expression of God's self-sacrificial love towards us. But how is blood of Jesus good news for us this morning? I just want to look briefly at a couple of things from our passage from 1 John. John's writing this letter and his purpose is to show us as people of God what fellowship with God looks like. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does sharing God's life bring? What, what difference does it make to call yourself and to be a Christian? What does it mean to be an inheritor of God's uh, kingdom? What does the good news mean for us? And John introduced us to a kind of pretty fundamental um, a fundamental issue in the, and what, about that. He says this, he said, one of the main reasons we struggle to experience all that God wants for us and has for us, all the good news of our inheritance is this. It's the issue of darkness. It's darkness. God is light. God is light. And God, in here, John shows us that the darkness in our hearts, the power of sin, is still a problem, is a problem then, and is still a problem from us today. Sin is an enemy of God throughout the Bible. Sin has enslaved humanity into an ending cycle of rivalry, blame, accusation, scapegoating, condemnation, oppression, and violence. I wonder whether you see it as our problem. Is sin our problem? Is it my problem? Is it your problem? Is it our problem today? But John says here that there's a solution to the sin. There's a solution to it. We're not just left with a problem. And the solution is found in the blood of Jesus who cleanses us from all sin. God had and has a good plan to break the power of sin, death, and all that's evil for his beloved creation. Both in Ephesians and 1 Peter, we see that God came to redeem through his blood. He brought redemption for us to bring salvation for all mankind for eternity. And he didn't want to do that like we see often in the Old Testament. I haven't got time to go into it now through the blood of rams. It wasn't enough to just continue to do what the law required at that time. It wasn't producing what God longed for humanity. It required something different. It required the sacrifice of his own son, Jesus, on a cross. See, I don't know, we don't talk about sin very much uh, for lots of reasons. But actually, one of the things I'd say is for the world in general, our kind of the issue of dealing with sin, however we understand it, is we either you know, pretend it's not there, that it's just a matter of opinion, there isn't such a thing as right and wrong, or those kind of things, or we just run away from it and don't deal with it. Um, or like religions and other philosophies, we find a way of trying to deal with it in different ways. And generally, with the way of pretty much most religions and philosophies, it's this. It said, you know, work harder. Perform better. Really work hard on your own performance to get better, and it will be all okay. Get more training. Get more education. 
work hard, walk alongside really gifted and able people. They will help you to feel acceptable and to be um, accepted. And the good news of Christianity that's slightly surprising is this. Christians face up to the reality of the fullness of the world and their own shortcomings. We don't pretend it doesn't exist. We also know that we can't sort it out. However hard we try, however much effort we put in to improve our performance, it will simply never get us to where we need to get to. And actually, we need to trust in Christ and his beautiful and ultimate performance on the cross. And for us this morning and for Christians over the last 2,000 years, that's a gift of grace. Because God has done for us what we couldn't do ourselves. However much effort, however strong our willpower is, however gifted we are, we couldn't work our way and earn our way to God. So God came to us on a cross, shedding his blood as a gift of grace for us this morning. A Christian is somebody who knows that they can't save themselves, but his confidence is in Christ and all he's done for them, in saving us, in dealing with our sin once and for all. And if you want an answer to darkness, there are lots of issues of darkness in our world today. The Christian answer is you need to begin with God, the light. Jesus, the true light, the spotless one, who shed his blood on a cross to overcome the darkness. On the cross, we see God's um, self-giving, generous, abundant love, the supreme revelation of God's sacrifice for us of his love and his splendor. And what's staggering to think is that on the cross, we see that God doesn't hold anything back from us. God has given it all to us. He's put himself there, his own son for us. That's glorious news for you this morning if you believe. It's glorious news for you this morning if you believe. Throughout scripture and here, particularly in 1 John, John talks about cleansing and purification from sin and unrighteousness. Jesus' blood didn't just bring pardon. The picture of here is of how sin defiles and pollutes us. We know that if our consciences are awake of both our sin and other people's sin, of what it does to us, it leaves a stain in our lives. The stains from our own shortcomings, but also those leave stains on life, and God, the blood of Jesus comes to cleanse that, to cleanse a stain, to clean us up on the outside, but also on the inside. I wonder this morning whether we have a real expectation that God can do that for us, that God wants to do that for us, that actually he longs for us to know that freedom of being cleansed and being made new. That what Jesus talks about in the, uh, the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. You know, when we choose to walk in the light, we're allowing the blood of Jesus 
through the Holy Spirit to clean us up and put sin to death in us. The blood of Jesus washes us, who we sang in that beautiful song and hymn, washes us clean and makes us white as snow. White as snow. Do you, do you know that this morning? From the minute you receive Jesus as Lord of your life, God will not remember your sin anymore. Do you know that's how he sees it this morning? If you come to him as your Lord and Savior, however great or small you think your failings or your shortcomings or your sins are, how far in the past they are or how very current they are, the blood of Jesus is sufficient for them. Many of you will know that uh, the character called Robert the Bruce, um, he was of Scottish, fighting the English. He was leading his men in fighting the English in the 1300s. Scotland was looking for independence from England. Lots of films made about it, lots of history books all about that. Near the end of the conflict, uh, the English were trying to capture uh, Robert the Bruce and to stop him taking the Scottish crown. So they, put, they captured his own bloodhounds, his own group of bloodhounds, and they put, sent his own bloodhounds actually on his tail to try and capture him. Um, and when the, um, the bloodhounds and the kind of English forces started to get close to where Robert the Bruce was and his small group of men, they could start to hear the noise of the hounds getting close as the hounds were baying for his own blood. And the people around Robert the Bruce, um, his kind of little group, said to him, do you know what we're done for? They're right on our trail. They'll find our hiding place, and then we're basically dead, and our cause is done. Bruce replied to his little group of, of followers, he said, it's all right. Bruce then headed to a stream in the forest. He plunged into the stream and waded a short distance up the stream and when he came out to the other side of the stream on the other side of the forest within a few minutes within minutes and Bruce's own hands came onto the other side of the stream on the riverbank and rather than plowing into the water they stopped the English soldiers urged the hands to go into the water and across the water to where Bruce had gone into but they stopped the trail was broken the trail was broken by the stream. The stream had carried the scent away of Bruce and his followers. A short time later, Bruce was crowned King of Scotland. Do you know, the memory of our sins, prodded by Satan, can be like those baying dogs in our lives. But a stream flows. A stream does flow, red with the blood of God's own Son, Jesus. And by His grace and through faith, we are safe because of Him. No sin can touch us. The trail is broken by the precious blood of Jesus. And I'd like to suggest to you this morning... But that is good news. Since so with us, hear me this morning. 
we can be clean and free. We really can. One writer put it this way, you know with what joy a weary heart, a, really, a weary traveler bathes in a fresh stream, plunging into the waters to experience its cooling, cleansing and strengthening effect. Lift up your eyes today and see how by faith in Jesus, how unceasingly a stream flows from heaven to earth. How the Spirit releases the power of the blood of Jesus to cleanse, to heal, and to purify. That's our inheritance. It's a beautiful thing. It's good news. That's ours. This morning, God doesn't want more sacrifices from you this morning, more offerings from you this morning. He simply wants you. He simply wants you. This morning, place yourself into the stream. Believe the words that the blood of Jesus really does cleanse you from all sin if you'll put your trust in him and turn to him. Amen. I'm going to uh, pray in a second, but I'm going to ask us to do a little bit of a response this morning. And here's the thing. I'm going to ask two things. I put in your notice sheet a little slip of paper. And this morning, if there is anything, and this is, this is entirely up to you, and I'm going to ask two things. I'm going to say to you, if there is anything in your life that you are still feeling guilt or shame for, and you don't feel free, and you long to be free, and there are, it's a bigger conversation, I understand that, than that, but, but if there is something and you long to be free and to know that freedom. I'm going to suggest to you this morning that you write that on a piece of paper, fold it up and bring it and put it, keeping your distance from other people and putting it in this basket in here where nobody else will see what you put. Only you and God will know. But then I'm going to ask another thing if you want to do that. As part of, sometimes it takes us to do something active to find the freedom that we long for for ourselves. Or for others as well who live with us, who long for us to be free too. But I'm also going to ask if a a number of you would commit to whoever does write something on there this morning, would actually commit this morning to pray specifically tomorrow for the people who put something on their piece of paper. To put some time aside, maybe in a mealtime, and you could fast if you really want to do it, and actually pray for the people who are longing to find freedom in our community and actually specifically put some time aside to pray for the people who are responding this morning. Would there be anybody people this morning who would be prepared to do that, to specifically put some time aside? Actually, I would ask if you'd just prepare to show some hands just so the people who are putting something on would say, yep, just put a bit more time aside to pray. Great, okay. And so that's the deal this morning. I'm going to pray in a second anyway, but in our own time, Hannah's going to lead us in response in a second. But I'll just take a moment of quiet to say, if there's something you long for, write it on, fold it up, put it in there. And I will pray uh, without looking at them. I won't look through them all. But actually, I'm also saying the number of us, as a part of being a church community online, we'd love you to join in with that as well. To actually pray for us as a community, there are people who long to be free, 
and we'd experience that and to commit tomorrow to, to pray, to intercede for these people who long to find God's freedom. Okay. Let me pray. This morning we want to thank you, Father, for the bounteous provision of your life, Jesus, for us. That you gave us your life once and for all upon a cross. I want to thank you for the enormity of that for my own life. And I want to confess this morning afresh for me, I'm sorry for the stuff that I continue to do in my own strength, my own power, and I need to lay down afresh to you this morning. Father, we pray that the blood of Jesus would come and cleanse us and set us free, wash us and renew us. That the aroma of Christ would come from my life and from our lives as a church. That we're a church where people long to find freedom. And Father, some of the things are quite tender things that we might put on this. Some of the things that we've been battling over over our whole lives that are besetting sins is one of the ways of understanding it. And Father, we want to lift our brokenness before you and take it to the very place of your greatest vulnerability at the cross. And so we offer it to you in our weakness. And in that beautiful exchange that happens on the cross, would we put to death? Would that sin be put to death? And would resurrection life come? Holy Spirit, thank you that you're at work in us. Come afresh upon us, I pray this morning. Come, Lord Jesus, and minister to us. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that you know each one of us by name. Thank you for how you continue to lead us as you walk with us. In Jesus' name, amen.